0: That's, yeah.
1: This is Bet, Bet MGM, MGM tonight. tonight. Uh... Join us for live sweats.
0: Oh! Yes! Go
1: 80, that five. was a big balls three. Three you minutes ago. Big so balls thing up three. Now. Instant reaction.
2: This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece.
1: And maybe a few regrettable decisions.
2: Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Goody Kent sucks. Jordan Addison ran a 5-3-40, and he's Tristis height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? bet on the Wizards. Yep.
1: Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvath, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashu.
2: And welcome into BetMGM tonight. P.J. Glasser, Denton Day, filling in for Ryan, Nick, and Trista on this Wednesday. Hope everybody's having a great week. Denton, it's great to see you, pal. Over under the amount of times I say welcome in to Sunday's bets. This is BJ Classer <laughs> and Denton uh, what,
3: what I'll set the line at, uh, at two and a half. Two and a half, that's yeah. that's the Two and a half line. over four hours, that, that
2: seems fair. I think that's a good line. Yeah, it's good to see you, though, pal. It's been a while. Yeah, it's good it's to while. see you, too, man. You, you we, doing good? We
3: worked out together today.
2: We did work out together. Yeah. Walked in the gym. You were, already, you were on that treadmill for a while. Yeah, it was a 40-minute run. Oh, that's impressive. Yeah. I get way too tired. Way too tired. So, good for you. Did you run track or anything in high school? Like, yeah, I
3: ran track in high school, and your boy, idiotically, or maybe not so idiotically, just signed up for a half marathon in May. Did so, you? you'll see me on that treadmill a lot more frequently. Wow. Here in, uh, in D.C.? No, it's it's in Virginia. It's it's a little lower down the uh, down the state. Good for you. I had to find one that meets my schedule. You know, very
2: busy. Is that like your first like major race that you've done? Like have you ever done like a five k or? Oh 10K yeah, I've been, or do, I've been doing a
3: couple five k's and some ten k's. But yeah, so it's, it's a different beast Dude, on the, the marathon, marathon. the half marathon. Good
2: for yeah. you. Is like the goal maybe to get like uh you know like do uh, you ever want to run like the New York City or the Boston Marathon or anything like? Oh yeah, that, yeah. I
3: mean, or? you don't run a half marathon without wanting to do a marathon.
2: I think that's fair. Yeah. How he, about an Iron Man? Can we ever get you to do one of those? Baby steps. Baby steps. <laughs> ba- baby steps. Fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe we'll get there one day. Then it's great <laughs> to have you along because we do have some bowl games, my yeah, friend. Yeah, we do. We have West Virginia and North Carolina in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, which I feel like is always one of like the bowls people look forward to most outside of the New Year's Six Bowl because the Mayo Bowl takes on a brand of its own, right? They just... You, that winning team, the head coach gets the mayo bath afterwards. All the broadcasters and everything—they're eating mayo constantly throughout the game. It's usually a good environment. The teams—it feels like they're motivated to be there—and uh, we got an excited game. West Virginia is up 14 to 10 right now. We got 17 seconds until halftime. Mountaineers closed as six-point favorites. So uh, right now, Carolina is covering. And this is obviously uh, this is the first game. Post Drake May era. So we're getting to see, you know, new quarterback for Carolina, some new receivers, new running backs. So, uh, so we'll see what happens.
3: Yeah, game. I'm glad this game is exciting. And historically, the Mayo Bowl has been exciting, which is good. Because I personally, like, the concept of the, the mayonnaise bath is just proof to me, PJ, that every day we fall farther from God's grace. Because mayo is disgusting. Dumping mayonnaise on another human being is absolutely disgusting. So at least the games are good, right? Could you mm-hmm. imagine if it was just blowouts on blowouts on blowouts? And you've seen somebody get dumped with mayonnaise? Ugh, it's gross. Yeah. It's horrifying. And it was raining there earlier, too. Imagine... Towards the end of the game, the rain picks up. You're getting dumped with mayonnaise and water. I, w- I would literally vomit on the spot and just curl up into a fetal position on the field.
2: Speaking of rain, the first bowl game of the day was uh, close to us up here in Annapolis. Yeah. We had Virginia Tech in Tulane. That's a team, folks. You know, if you want to start writing down some teams, because obviously when college football ends, you know, you'll dive into NBA and NFL playoffs and college basketball will be close to March and everything. Remember Virginia Tech in the ACC last year. Denton, they bring back... Everybody, everybody. On offense. They bring back everybody. For now. For now. For now. For now. But it looks like all those kids are, are staying put. They're not entering the portal. Brent Prize only in his second year. He got them to a bowl game. They put up 41 points against a good two-lane defense. That quarterback that they have, really good. So ACC, you know, everybody next year, they're going to talk about Florida State. They're going to talk about Clemson, Miami, NC State just keep an eye on Virginia Tech if you want a sleeper that's a team that I would remember we got 12 seconds left here in the half Virginia or uh, West Virginia is on the North Carolina 26 we got an incomplete pass so West Virginia might have to think about kicking the field goal cuz they got, got no timeouts I left. mean
3: you might have a quick shot towards the end zone here I mean you're far enough away to where it might take a little too much time but if your quarterback can make a quick decision you might have a shot at the end zone here, but you only bet the uh, the ac- actual line. You didn't bet a first half line, did
2: you? Correct. I just took North Carolina plus six, so uh, we're hoping that they cover that. Did you take anything in this game?
3: I-, I did not take anything in this game. I have a little bit of a, uh, a tie to one of these schools, so I try and avoid betting on, on games that I have emotional ties to. That's usually a smart way of doing things, i found.
2: Fair enough. We do have another bowl game coming up in about an hour, the Holiday Bowl, Louisville and USC. Did you, uh, did you take anything... That no, one I bet on. You okay.
3: know, I, I told you when we were doing Sunday's bets way back at the start of the college football season. Mm-hmm. You got to ride the USC versus whoever first half over. Yes. And it hit, let's see, they played 12 games. I think it hit eight of the 12 weeks, which mm-hmm. is a pretty good uh, pretty good day for your boy. You know that what is, I mean? It's a pretty good season for your boy. It's good profit. I have no idea what to expect today with USC offensively. Obviously, Caleb Williams is not going to play malachi nelson is transferring so he's not going to play i just don't know what to anticipate with what that offense is going to look like i, I like lincoln riley i think he's a very good offensive-minded coach but i also know there's his defense historically is terrible so with that being said pj i decided to forego my my first half bets and instead just go louisville 33 and a half they've had a really good season really good offensive season i'm a huge jeff brom guy loved him at purdue i think he's done a wonderful job this season at louisville I think they're going to score a lot of points. They have the capability of scoring a lot of points. And on top of that, you had a defense that's not very good. This should be a uh, – I'm feeling good about it. That's always – not never. maybe not the greatest sign when you're feeling good an hour before uh, kickoff. But I'm feeling good about that one coming to fruition.
2: Somebody looks like knows something because this line is now down to 4.5 with USC. I got the worst of the number. I took Louisville under the touchdown at minus 6.5. I just – for me, I don't know why there's so much USC love in this game. Maybe we'll see. Maybe Louisville's offense looked like it did in the ACC championship game against Florida State, which was absolutely putrid. But Denton, the USC defense is just a little bit different than that Florida State defense is. Yeah, Florida State's defense is good. Yeah, really you know,
3: good. What everybody missed in all of the, the theatrics that came with the Florida State end of season, everyone was so focused on the quarterback. Defensively, they're a really good football team. Really, They're good. not just letting you walk up and down the field uh, on them, especially in the ACC championship game. So I expect a much better offensive performance from Louisville this evening.
2: I agree. And Louisville, you know, they're not, they're starting running back. Their number one receiver isn't going to be playing, but their quarterback, Jack Plummer, is going to be playing. And for them, you said, Jeff Brom, I really like him too. Loved him at Purdue. This is his first season. Major win for Louisville this year, right? They made it the ACC title game in year one. Already have 10 wins on the season. Like, they're having a great year. So... I think they're going to be highly motivated. Look for an exclamation point. They're getting to go up against a big brand in USC. And no Caleb Williams, no Marshawn Lloyd. They're without one of their receivers that you mentioned. The defense is terrible. And, like, Lincoln Riley's a guy who's usually coaching in, like, big-time bowl games, right? So how's he going to feel about, you know, coaching in the Holiday Bowl that's in San Diego? You drive down the coast a little bit in California. Louisville, those kids, man, they get out of Kentucky, you get to go to – San Diego, enjoy the beach a little bit, some nice weather, maybe you do some golfing, I think Louisville's going to be fired up, so the line movement does worry me a little bit because I'm sure the public is all over Louisville in this game without Caleb Williams, but, uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm still I'm still riding with the ville. We're still gonna take a minus six and a half. I do like the over in that game as well, because you know, even without Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley's such a good offensive mind, I do think they score some points and a- anybody's gonna score on I, USC. I do wonder
3: what his coaching has been like this week, PJ, because you factor in national signing day was last week. Mm-hmm we have transfer portal mania running wild every single day in college football at this time this is a guy that's going to be they underachieved this season so he obviously has to rebound next season they just lost their quarterback who was supposed to be the replacement to caleb williams in the transfer portal What has lincoln riley's past couple of weeks been like in terms of attempting to rebuild this roster to a position where you can at least say that you're a national championship contender or just a big ten contender at that point because of their, them uh, joining the Big Ten. Like, I'm curious to see what his coaching, how much focus he's actually been putting on, on coaching in a bowl game that you mentioned. This is not a New Year's Six game. Like, I, yeah. I enjoy the Holiday Bowl. I would love to play in San Diego, but this is not a New Year's Six game. I, I do wonder, and this is not an excuse, by the way, for USC, but I just do wonder what he is, what his preparation has been like leading up to this one because you, you only have so many hours in, in a day
2: completely agree with you. And let's be honest, right? I mean, there's a ton of rumors that he might leave USC, might go to the NFL. So who knows? Maybe that's uh, <laughs> Good luck. been a little bit of a distraction. We'll see what <laughs> happens there. What about the nightcap tonight? Oklahoma State and Texas a m We've seen a bunch of line movement in this game. Aggies open is two and a half point favorites. Oklahoma State's all the way up to three and a half points. Oklahoma State, their quarterback, Alan Bowman's going to be playing. Their star running back, Ollie Gordon, is going to be going as well. Texas A&M, they have so much roster turnover. They got like 15 guys in the portal. No Jimbo Fisher, as we know. They're on their third-string quarterback. I think what's so fascinating about this matchup, Denton, Oklahoma State, really good running team. Texas A&M, really good front seven and run defense. And then on the opposite side a m starting a third string quarterback and they're without a bunch of their starting receivers and Oklahoma State's got an awful pass defense. So it's almost like unstoppable force versus a movable object, right? Like which one is going to give in? I took Oklahoma State on the money line. It's minus 175. I got it at minus 125. So that's what I'm rocking with. Mike Gundy, if you follow college football, you know. In these kind of games, when it when the, the spread is tight, when it's like two, two and a half, three and a half, four, those kind of coin flip, close field goal games, Gundy more often than not is normally really, really good. So uh, I think Oak State wins. I don't know if they cover, especially now that it's a three and a half. But uh, give me the Cowboys on the money line tonight.
3: So what I just said about Lincoln Riley and how he is going to to prioritize his time, I think doubles for Texas A&M. As you mentioned, Jimbo Fisher not there. They hired Mike Elko. Mike Elko is not going to come in and coach this game. That would be absurd, right? Implementing a whole new – it's just not going to work. Elijah Robinson is coaching for Texas A&M tonight. PJ he's the interim coach in the absence of Jimbo Fisher. He's also been working double duty because he's on staff now at Syracuse thanks to all the changes that have had taken place uh, since Mike Alco got hired and since just the college football offseason is one of the crazier offseasons that we have in American sports. So this guy is quite literally pulling double duty because defensive coordinators are responsible for helping recruit at the schools that they're at, right, especially in the transfer portal. So he's bringing guys to Syracuse, trying to make that work, while also coaching his guys. Now, of course, if you're Elijah Robinson, like, you want to – to do good by the Texas A&M roster that you currently have, and do and coach to the best of your ability. But again, I ask the same question: How much can a guy actually do here? If you're working for the, the place that you're going to be working for, hopefully for the next couple of years, you're obviously going to pay more attention to what's going on there than this one one-time opportunity, right? Of of coaching in a in a bowl game. Now it does mean something, but I have Oklahoma State uh, laying two and a half tonight because mm-hmm. of that reason. They got all their players playing, but because of what. Texas A&M has been this season, and I just have no idea, coaching-wise, what to expect in terms of preparation, how are the guys going to respond to this style of coaching and this atmosphere. There's so many question marks surrounding Texas A&M in good consciousness, and because I like making money, I could not put money on them. I just couldn't do it.
2: Fair enough. So we'll see what happens. That game's the nightcap, 9 p.m. Eastern time, Louisville and... Um, USC kicks off 8 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to talk with Chris Plank about the Valero Alamo Bowl next segment. Preview Oklahoma and Arizona, which is one of my favorite games. A bowl season, one of my favorite bets. So we'll get Chris's thoughts on that coming up next segment at 7.20 Eastern time. But, then we had some big news in the NFL today <laughs> when NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport reported that The Denver Broncos will be benching Russell Wilson for the final two games of the regular season, Uh, sources informed of the situation. So Jared Stidham is going to make his first start for the Broncos this Sunday against the Chargers. They're at the Raiders in Week 18. Your thoughts when you saw this news break and uh, Russell Wilson's time in Denver almost certainly coming to a close?
3: I'm surprised just due to the financial implications of this for the Broncos if you move on from Russell Wilson that's about 85 million dollars in dead money right there that's going against your book so that to me makes this move surprising but if we're looking at this specifically from a football standpoint I am I have zero shock the Sean Payton everything has to be done my way versus the Russell Wilson I want to do everything my own way those two styles didn't exactly mesh well that is not surprising to me at all the let Russ cook Mr uh, uh irresistible whatever the hell he called Mr Unlimited that's what it was Mr Unlimited all that stuff like I'm not surprised that did not work under a coach in Sean Payton that likes to that comes from the Bill Parcells tree of ruling with a little bit of an iron fist right like that is not surprising at all this was going to happen from the jump Russ is starting to realize hopefully Hopefully that you kind of gotta fit in a little bit in the NFL. I know everybody wants to stand out, but fitting in for the benefit of the team and for the benefit of winning—not the worst idea in the world. Unless you want to be a trophy husband, which I would sign up to be a trophy husband to Sierra. You wouldn't have to ask me too hard to do that, right? Like I would do it. He doesn't seem to want to do that. He wants. He is. He does seem to have some sort of of need and desire to achieve and be viewed very well with the the great quarterbacks in this league, but. You gotta have some self awareness, my friend. You're not you are not that guy. You are not that guy. Team I would
2: watch out for, maybe to go get Russell Wilson. Please don't say the commanders. No, what about the Las Vegas Raiders, right? give Russ that motivation to stick it to the team in the division who let him walk obviously they got all that money tied to the head coaches and Gruden and McDaniels like let somebody else pay our quarterback and let's go have him beat them twice a year we'll discuss that later on in the show Zach Bai is also going to join us at 9pm Eastern Time to talk that but Chris Plank is going to join us Oklahoma, Arizona in the Valermo Alamo Bowl we break that down next here on BetMGM Tonight
1: We'll be right back in just a few. Head over to BetMGM to place a better three. This is BetMGM Tonight, presented by BetMGM. Live from BetQL. You
4: get a second-round
2: pick? I can't get it. You're going to get a first-round pick for Justin Fields? I don't think so. No, second, I would think. Second, third. I mean, it's the big unknown. Like, Chicago controls, they control so much. Because, like you said, they're going to have the number one pick and what they decide to do. I just cannot see them Two straight years sticking with Justin Fields instead of trying to go and get their quarterback. We both agree we think Fields could turn out to be a really good player, but I don't know, JP. I mean if Drake May or Caleb Williams turns out to be an absolute monster like most think he will, I mean they're gonna they're gonna regret that forever. So even if the thing about it is it's
4: like the whole bird in hand thing, right? Is that you kind of know what you have with certain guys like Justin Fields, Sam Howell, and it's 50% at best for even the top picks. So we kind of know going in Drake May, Caleb Williams, one of those guys is probably going to bust. Right. Right. That's what we're seeing right now with C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, and it's just the history of it. You can go through the drafts, like One of two is probably going to bust.
1: Holding a Bengals minus three ticket holder, and I was live on air, and the emotional swings that you see as a sports better. (laughs) I was like, oh, and this is over. I was like, oh, wait, we have life. Oh, wait, this is interesting. Okay, let's go. (laughs) And I was so happy to have pushed. I've never been more excited to make no money before.
4: It was an emotional roller
1: coaster, but it was so fun. It was a perfect game to remind you of two things. One, why you're a fan of football, and two, why you're a fan of sports betting. (laughs)
2: All right, hit us on your thoughts on Josh Allen.
5: Well, just like, we're not going to do like the full MVP stuff today, probably, but, but we should talk about it a little bit. When we do San Francisco and, and Baltimore, we'll obviously talk about it a bunch probably, but just, uh, you know, like there's, look, I, this time of year, all I'm doing is just listening. Like uh, the time for me thinking is kind of past, and it's just like, all right, like the, the, the papers are due, the tests are due. Like what's everybody's answer. And like, what are they saying? And whether you like this answer or not, and you're listening, I kind of think this is where we're at uh i think a lot of people and i think that trickles down to people who vote think that if josh allen wins the next three games he's going to win most valuable player and it's just worth keeping in mind that this is the first game so again brock purdy's price was going to told you three weeks ago he's the price most likely to drop look at the schedule
1: Now, back to BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM.
2: And welcome back, BetMGM tonight. PJ Glasser, Denton Day, here with you. We got West Virginia and North Carolina at halftime in the Dukes Mayo Bowl with the Mountaineers leading 17 to 10. They're six and a half point favorites over on BetMGM. You got to lay minus 130 juice. The total is at 55 and a half. We got Louisville USC starting in 38 minutes in the Holiday Bowl, and then in the Texas Bowl, Texas A&M and number 20 Oklahoma State. The Cowboys favored by three and a half, and the total 55. So, Den and I will be watching bowl games throughout the night, but. We're excited for some of the bowl games coming up, and especially the one tomorrow night in the Valero Alamo Bowls. We bring in our next guest, ge- uh, our next guest, Chris Plank, who joins us. You can follow him on Twitter at the Plank Show, sideline reporter for Oklahoma football and SiriusXM Big 12 host. Chris, really appreciate the time, man. How are you? Great, hey, man. How are you guys tonight? We're doing Plank. Good. What's up, man? We're doing good, man. We're doing what's good. Up, I'm Jettin, really excited how are you? for th- how are you. We're really excited for this game, uh, Chris, because obviously the Jackson-Arnold era is beginning in Oklahoma, and uh, Arizona might be one of the more underrated teams in college football, man. I mean, there are three losses this year, seven-point loss to Washington, two of them were in overtime, they're on a six-game win streak. I think it's going to be a really fascinating game, so when you've kind of been you know, studying for this game and, and breaking it down, how do you think these two teams are going to match up tomorrow night?
0: Yeah, and, you know, Arizona is in the midst of something that hasn't happened in uh, a really long time. 1998 was the longest winning streak they had had until they won six straight to wrap up the season. Now, <laughs> you know, it's not like the Pac-12 was down, right? The Pac-12 was a good league this year, even though it's going away. Um, but Washington State, uh, they went on the road and beat a good Washington State team, and they, that kind of started the leaking of oil for Washington State. Maybe their best win of the year might have been their win over uh, Oregon State, and they just... Uh, they they humbled uh, Arizona State down the stretch. It's a really good football team, man. Uh, Jetfish has done a phenomenal job. Uh, kudos to Arizona for finding a way to keep him in this wild coaching kind of carousel that's taken place over the last few months, but our last few weeks, I should say, uh, it's a good team, man. It's a really balanced team. I I wish I could come on here and say that the give a rip meter for uh, for Arizona is low, and the Sooners <laughs> are going to go out and roll them but they're they're good i mean they're a really good football team for feet as a baller um they 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 are very they're balanced on offense and when i say that if i say that they're a basic offense some people take that as a knock my point is they just they they do a handful of things and they do it really well they're nasty with tunnel screens they do a great job with their running game um i i i think they're they're one of the better teams that i've in what i I guess i call scouting but i've scouted as a sooner opponent this year i I, bring venable said it and i think he's right it might be the best team that oklahoma's played so far this season and uh, they've looked apart down the stretch i think it's going to be a great bowl game
3: you know plank i really loved watching this arizona team and the way they play defense especially when you consider some of the offenses they took on in the pac-12 how is oklahoma going to attack what they do on defense now that dylan gabriel's not on the roster
0: well um there's there's three letters and i guess for the sake of not getting in trouble two two words jfa jackson arnold uh he's the five-star rock star quarterback he's the kind of guy that everyone (laughs) you know wants on their roster right they want a guy like this because uh he has all the tools Uh, he was the it guy in the recruiting class uh, last year he enrolled early he won the backup job over an established backup and you know, the, the one time that they had to go to him in a clutch situation this season, he came up big. You know, he, he missed a throw against BYU, but uh, even though that game was much tighter than it should have been, he made arguably one of the biggest throws of the season on a third down and eight-ish pass that, you know, kept the drive alive and, and helped Oklahoma shut down BYU and put themselves in position for this bowl game. I think you'll like him, didn't he? he's, he's He's young. I mean, he's a true freshman, but... This kind of starts a whole new era for Oklahoma. It's their last game in the Big 12, but it's also their first game with Jackson Arnold as their quarterback. It's their first game with Seth Latrell and Joe John Finley as the co-offensive coordinators. There's been so much talk about what Oklahoma has lost and uh, the 11 players that are not going to play in this bowl game, and plus there's a few other guys, but the 11 names that people might know, uh, and obviously number one, number one is Dylan Gabriel. But I'll tell you what, how are they going to attack Arizona? This kid Jackson Arnold, I think, has a chance to really do th- do some things. It's going to give Arizona problems. Now, uh, Arizona is no stranger to really good quarterback play, right? They saw it all year long. They did a great job against Caleb Williams and, and USC, and probably should have won that game. But Oklahoma running the ball better down the stretch of the season. Gavin Sawchuck has really emerged. You get the excitement of a guy like Jackson Arnold, but I'm really worried about Oklahoma's offensive line situation. They're starting center. They're starting right tackle. Um, are not playing in this game. They, they've opted out because they're headed off to the NFL, and they're starting left guard. Uh, Enter the transfer portal, and he's off to Missouri right now. So you have essentially three new starters. Even though the, the guy that's starting at right tackle, Jacob Sexton, had actually played a lot the last two games, so you're replacing a lot of snaps on the offensive line. Uh, but we'll see how Jacob. Uh, we'll, we'll see how Jacob Sexton handles right tackle. We'll see how. You know, that Troy Everett's going to move to center. I, I, I think that Oklahoma's offensive line is going to be challenged. But to me, the big key goes back to Jackson Arnold and, and how he he handles this first start and how he handles going up against a good defense like Arizona presents.
3: Do you think because he's already played this season and he's not – this is not his first action and is not, not his first opportunity for Oklahoma fans to actually see him don a Sooner's uniform. Do you think that alleviates at least a little bit of that pressure that he's coming in with, tasked with being the guy to carry this team forward for the next couple of years?
0: Uh, yes and no. I think the the BYU game, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know if either one of you guys have been to a game in Provo. Uh, it wasn't a full house, but it was Really loud, and I mean louder than some of the stadiums that I've been to in Power Five leagues that are packed full with like 70 seventy, seventy-five thousand people. I mean, it was rocking, and he was right in the midst of it, and made one of the biggest plays, and I remember talking to him afterwards, and I was like, "How you feeling, man? What was it like?" And he just looked at me, and goes, "I'm exhausted," and he only played a half. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think there's part of that, but it's also he knows what it takes. But he's he, he's all it's it's all new because of the preparation, right? He's been the guy from the moment that bowl prep started. You know, Dylan Gabriel, th- there wasn't any ill will about Dylan Gabriel leading um, the, the plan at the start of this season. Was that Dylan Gabriel was going to turn pro and this was his last year of college football? But he he didn't get back great news whenever he sit, whenever what when he got back from the uh, from the NFL you know they they didn't have the grade he was kind of shocked by it he didn't get a senior bowl invite so when that took place Dylan Gabriel you know they didn't tell him he had to go somewhere else but he realized hey the future in Oklahoma SEC Jackson Arnold I want to go play somewhere else and so Arnold was able to learn from Dylan Gabriel and I just I really think that that learning from Dylan Gabriel knowing this wasn't some sort of adversarial situation throughout the year this wasn't old school this wasn't rob johnson doug flutie right there wasn't a schism here <laughs> that had been created this was a guy in jackson arnold that everyone kind of looked at as the starting quarterback for oklahoma in 2024 and he learned from a guy in 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 dylan gabriel that really did a nice job of being the the place setter for him so um, i i think he's he's a really cool kid you'd like him a lot didn't he's a really cool laid-back guy um, but I, I'm really intrigued to see how he handles those nerves of this, this is his very first start because everything I've heard, Arizona sold a lot of tickets. That's not a extra crazy trip from Tucson. You know, I, I don't know how many tickets Oklahoma has sold, so I think it's going to be a pretty raucous environment come tomorrow night at uh, late night, late night with a kick
2: at 8 o'clock. Chris, if Oklahoma wins tomorrow, what grade would you give the Sooners for this season? Well, that's a
0: that's a very good question, but I also consider it a trick question. They lost to Oklahoma State in Kansas, so you get an F minus. Um, it's the <laughs> last time that you're ever going to play Oklahoma State, at least from what we know, right? So yeah. you, you, you've got bragging rights against your in-state rival, whom you've called little brother and who you've dominated in this series. But the last time you play them as a conference member, they beat you, and it's your own fault. You know, uh, listen, Oklahoma State is a really good football team, right? And Ali Gort is a really good running back. Oklahoma had no business losing that game. You go back the week before, and against Kansas, Oklahoma had no business losing that game. Um, but you lost to two teams that you have dominated. So if, if you want to look at it from the spoiled fan of a blue blood perspective, you lose to those two teams. I don't care what their final record is. You sucked. But to me, um, year two of Brent Venable's knowing that i don't listen no no one ever says we're not pursuing a national championship that wasn't the case here but oklahoma is building a roster towards the start of big 12 uh, sec play and you know they they shed a lot of guys that might have helped them win games but necessarily weren't fits and you know a little bit of a different kind of approach that brent venables has than what they had here with lincoln riley by that i mean they play defense so um i just I would probably give them, if they win tomorrow night, I would probably give them a B-, minus, maybe even a C-plus. That would still be an 11-win season. They have the most 11-win season if they win tomorrow night, any team in college football. Um, and I think it sets a really nice tone going forward towards the SEC. Now, that schedule next year is brutal, right? I, mean, it's a I was brutal just going to ask you. Yeah, oh my it, God. you're playing the best of the best in college football. So I, I just – I, I, I would probably say if they win tomorrow night, I'd give them a B minus. Most fans would still have it as an F because they're playing in the Alamo Bowl and they lost to Oklahoma State in Kansas.
2: I mean, Chris, that schedule, man, like the finish, the last two weeks of the season, home against Alabama at LSU, they have to play at right. Ole Miss, at Auburn, at Missouri. It's just, it's brutal, man. So what can you tell us about the recruiting that uh, Oklahoma had in this in this latest recruiting cycle heading in, obviously, to SEC play?
0: Yeah, they're calling it the best defensive line class they've had in eight years and they need it. You know, they've um, they they've got a couple of really nice prospects that they recruited last year that were kind of you know, PJ Atabaraway, uh he wears I think he's number thirty four. He'll be a guy that'll play a lot probably tomorrow night. Um so you'll get a chance to see him. He wasn't in the obviously the twenty four class, he was in the twenty three, a five star guy. Um, And in that 24 class, they've got a name, David Stone. He's an Oklahoma kid that went to IMG Academy uh, and played for a couple of years. Uh, uh, Jonathan Jackson, or Jane Jackson, excuse me, is a a big-time defensive tackle recruit who's actually been practicing with the team. I think it's seven or eight guys that signed in that early period, and they've been practicing with the team during the bowl prep. Now, they're not going to get to play in the game, but they've been working out with the team. So, you know, they, they really knew where they had to get better. They had to get better in the trenches, specifically on that defensive line. And it's interesting, you know, not, not to filibuster on this, but, you know, when Alex Grinch was their defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch wanted a different body type. He didn't want 300-pound defensive tackles. Um, he wanted a little bit leaner. They called it speed D. Um, they, they're edge rushers. They wanted, as I think, uh, at the time, one of the coaches referred to it as power forwards inner Brent Venables and Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis, those are the two defensive line coaches, with Coach Venables, and they want fire hydrants, right? They want 300-pound defensive tackles. So they've had to really work because defensive tackles aren't just jumping in the portal. Now, uh, the ones that are are getting paid, right, making big-time money. Just look at Warren <laughs> Nolan. But um, they, Oklahoma knew they had to get better there, and they really committed to it, and they had a good recruiting class. I think, though, the key to it all, guys, comes down to number 10 how Jackson Arnold plays and if he can get that jump start with the new co offensive coordinator setup that Oklahoma has, I think it can do wonders for them heading into the battle and the rigors and the the night in and night out just beast nature of the SEC. I feel like they're in a good spot. They might still be a year away, but this is a this is a program that has really been committed to making sure they build up where they feel like they need to win and that's in the trenches.
3: All right, Plank. We got about thirty seconds here. The line right now for the game, Oklahoma and Arizona, and the Alamo Bowl is two and a half at most books. Do you like that line for Oklahoma getting two and a half? Do you think they yeah. keep it close? Maybe they yeah, win I it mean, on I, the outright. I think
0: Oklahoma wins the game by two. I think Oklahoma wins the game by two <laughs> scores. Um, I don't think Arizona, uh, the give a rip meter for both of these teams is really high, but I think people have looked at this and said Dylan Gabriel's not playing, so Oklahoma's not very good, and that could be further from the truth. So um, I have a good read on how this team is prepped. I think they're in a really good spot. I think people are sleeping on on what's going to be a good performance for the Sooners tomorrow night in San Antonio. Mm,
2: Can't wait. Alamo Bowl, Oklahoma and Arizona. He is Chris Plank at plank show on twitter sideline reporter for oklahoma football and sirius xm big 12 host chris really appreciate the time man happy holidays to you
0: yeah anytime man you guys have a great uh great show tonight good to hear your voice did have a great time man
3: appreciate it like two scores two I, I love i love that I love he's a, he's a bold guy. I like I like that uh, I like the two score bet. Arizona's been a lot of fun, PJ. I don't oh know God, how often you them. got to like, love, right.
2: They're my favorite team. I mean, they're I love such them.
3: they were such a great Pac-12 after dark school I, I this year. Them. And now with news that Jaden Delora is entering the transfer portal, which just broke, and Jed Fish put on Twitter a really great kind of goodbye letter, which I think more coaches should do this. I know it's it's not it's not a usual thing, but he, he put a really good goodbye letter out there. He's going to be playing with a little bit of passion. This game's going to be a really, really exciting matchup tomorrow night.
2: It's a big game for both schools. I mean, Arizona's trying to win 10 games, like Plank said, for the first time in forever. Oklahoma wants to build some momentum heading into the SEC. Ten, I can't believe what the SEC did to them. I mean, I home against Bama and at LSU to end the year. Like yeah. Nobody deserves that. Hey, that is...
3: The SEC said no more layup weeks. No. I love it.
2: No, I love that Oklahoma LSU is going to be uh, the new rivalry week addition that we get. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll talk about that game coming up later on in the show. West Virginia just maybe had the interception of bowl season. Then wait until you see this pick. We'll tell you about it. When we come back from break, we're going to break down Bama, Michigan, and Washington, Texas. College football playoff. It's getting close. BetMGM tonight.
1: It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back with even more BetMGM tonight, presented by BetMGM. Live from BetQL.
5: He's the safest case to make. And huge win, Seattle. Huge win, Arizona. Those were expected by the market now what's expected by the market like are is there are there any like auto wins coming up for any of the candidates well brock Purdy doesn't have one anymore they're playing baltimore on christmas night that is not a coin flip game it is a still a, like a potential win for the niners but this isn't like 13 14 against arizona and so if you're like all right like is there a, someone who can gain momentum and you already see a bunch of people like prominent media people tweeting if alan anybody can be ahead right now if alan wins all three he wins okay this is game number one they're 11 and a half against the chargers they host the patriots the week after host them what's that number great you're already in the last week of the season they're playing miami for the division title so just like again if people i'm just listening and people a lot of people seem to start to be saying oh it's a terrible sentence a lot of people seem to be saying he wins you know what the that three. sentence was Ab- abominable. Ab- abdom- abdominable. Ab- that's abdominal. exactly what the sentence was. Abdominal. Uh, a lot of people seem to be making this case. Like, I, I wish I was on it earlier, but like, you got, just listen. Like, people are saying this already. And like, I, I'm. if you bet Brock Purdy or you think you should win, be mad. I'm just telling you what people are saying. I don't think this. Who cares what I think? I'm just telling you that's what a lot of people seem to be saying. And uh, and so I, I think it makes it like an interesting insight for Thursday is like, is Josh Allen's MVP price Should it just be a three, like a three leg parlay of them to win the three games? And if so, what is the right price for that in that market? Is that really what it is? Which we talked about last week a little, and we'll talk about more on Thursday.
6: I don't know what's happening here. What do we do? So before all the action started on Sunday morning, all the newsmakers were out there. Aaron Rodgers expected to be clear to play this week and then the jets get blanked and um they're eliminated from playoffs so now what has this always been in only if they make or are alive for the playoffs situation i don't know about that with the ego involved and they'll play it off as saying well it you know it's more time actually on the field in this offense moment we'll carry over momentum than next year more work with garrett wilson who we know is going to be there and Rogers out to prove, hey, I am going to be back next season. It's not just um, it's not just me and it, and there's gonna be questions about retirement in the offseason. I guess there's motivation there, but at some point the parents have to step in and say, No, this is idiotic. But Rogers is running the organization. They let him do whatever he wants. He tells the GM mm-hmm. who's coming in. So I don't know. I'm I don't really care much about it, but It is possible that that's what this line is saying, that that it is a real possibility, even though the Jets are eliminated, that he could be playing on Sunday.
4: necessarily put, you know, cast all their demons aside or put all their questions to bed by any stretch. I mean, you had Kadarius Tony doing Kadarius Tony things. Um, You know, you you had a couple of weird interceptions where you're kind of wondering about the role of the pass catcher in both of them. I mean, the guy who's paid, paid to catch the ball, not the guy who's paid to defend the guy who catches the ball. I would have loved to have seen that game if zappy doesn't throw the horrible pick down the right sideline like this the grossly underthrown ball like if that doesn't like because that was a football game up to that point like and i kind of would wanted to see if this is a one score game in the fourth quarter what does this chiefs team look like now again he throws the pick it ends up being two scores Belichick decides i'm just waving the white flag and that's what kraft wants anyway right so he's punting where you're like why is he punting i mean it, it kind of goes uber conservative um and the chiefs win comfortably and they needed to win that game no two ways about it um they needed to
1: now back to bet mgm tonight on the betql network presented by bet mgm
2: so west virginia gets that beautiful interception but they're unable to do anything with it punt it back to unc tar heels with the ball here for the second time in the third quarter Trailing by seven eleven oh eight to go in the third Duke's Mayo Bowl out in Charlotte. So we'll see if the uh Tar Heels can do something on this possession. Also got a couple NBA games going on right now. Magic up thirty to twenty-nine on the Sixers and the Wizards trailing the Raptors thirty-five to thirty.
3: They just showed in the Mayo Bowl uh two two individuals, one representing WVU, the other representing UNC, chugging not one PJ, two glasses of mayonnaise, that should result in jail time. That is filthy, it is disgusting, and I want those people arrested immediately. I'm
2: learning about you that you are not a mayo guy
3: at all. I'm not a mayo guy, especially chugging. Man, like what condiment would you chug? None is the answer. Yeah, There is not a condiment that is good enough to, yeah, I would chug a couple glasses. Like, could you imagine doing that with like ketchup, or mustard, or like maple syrup? Like no, you would not do that.
2: No, I'm a I'm a honey mustard and a ketchup guy. Like those are the two by far. Great condiment,
3: like, like great condiments. Yeah. I know people hate on ketchup for like hot dogs and
2: fries. It's weird. Yeah. Ketchup's a good condiment. Uh, yeah, it's I a like, fine condiment. Like ketchup, I'm not a lot. drinking the thing. No, <laughs> agreed. <laughs> Third and 13 for UNC, and let's see. They get about eight yards, so it's going to be fourth and five. They're going to punt it back to the Mountaineers. It's been a heavy college football show thus far. We're going to keep it rolling here to wrap up our number one. Denton and I are with you until 11 o'clock Eastern time here on BetMGM Tonight. Ryan, Trista, and Nick back tomorrow. All right, Dan, let's talk about the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. Bama and Michigan, what a heavyweight matchup. Michigan, the number one team in the country, favored by one and a half, minus 120 on the money line. Bama is plus 100. The total is 44 and a half. And so far leading up to this game, it's been all Alabama money. People are seeing that plus sign next to the tide, and they're saying, oh, God, yeah, give me that, please. Those odds makers know what they're doing, and they're keeping Michigan as the favorite. So what are you doing in this game? This is the
3: one I have a little lesser of a feel on, but I've been leaning Michigan throughout the entire process here leading up to this, right? I've watched Michigan a ton this season, PJ. They're a a physical team, and I, I am worried, and I question what Alabama is going to be able to do with that, that offensive line, right? Because that offensive line is so good for Michigan, as is their defensive line. The one blemish on Alabama's record this year has been that Texas game where, to the shock and awe of just about everybody that follows this sport, Texas dominated Alabama in the trenches. I'd never seen that in the Nick Saban era, certainly not by many, like maybe once or twice by those Georgia teams when Georgia was on that iconic run, but it doesn't happen frequently the way that Texas played them then. Now, I understand... That was weeks ago, months ago at this point. But I'm really excited to watch that particular matchup because as the year has progressed, Alabama's gotten way better on the defensive line, right? So I'm really excited to see the physicality of this particular matchup because I think both teams are built from the trenches out. I mean, we cannot forget that Michigan did not let their quarterback throw a pass against Penn State. They ran 30 straight – they didn't do that against – East Carolina. They did that against Penn freaking State, which was a defensive first team. They are built for physicality. That's that's what I'm most looking forward to. I don't know if JJ McCarthy's gonna go crazy, but I bet the running backs will for Michigan.
2: It's very cliche, but when you get heavyweight matchups like this and people talk about it all the times in the NFL playoffs, it just like this game just comes down to turnovers. I mean it's yeah. really it's really that simple, right? Like both teams are so evenly matched, both teams are so good, like you said, at the line in a scrimmage, that it's gonna come down to the extra possessions and who gets who gets the extra ones, who can cause some turnovers. You mentioned Michigan's offensive line. This isn't one of Bama's better D lines, especially up front. Right, like there's no Deron Payne, there's no Jonathan Allen, there's no Quinn and Williams in the middle on this team. They do have three All Americans though in the secondary, so I'm interested to watch JJ McCarthy over the years i mean your quarterback just has to play well if you if you want to beat bama like there's there's no way around if your quarterback doesn't play well you're not going to beat them so that game plan against penn state they're not yeah. going to be able right it they're not going to be able to do that no. now mccarthy was okay against ohio state like he wasn't out of this world he wasn't he wasn't crazy but but he was fine i think he's really going to he's going to have to be good like he, he's He's gonna have to be the better quarterback between the two, between him and Milroe Cause I do think Bama has the better defense, even though statistically Michigan's is the best. Like look at the schedule that they played, right? They played two real teams this season. Penn State's offense doesn't create any explosive plays. And Ohio State's got incredible skill position players, but McCord wasn't anything special. The way Milrow's playing, he's going to be the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy next year. Bama's got good backs. They got good receivers. They got a really good old line Like, it's going to be an awesome test for him And then what I just keep going back to, you know, both teams have great coaching staffs, but, you know, Nick Saban's only ever lost once in the semifinal round since we've gone to the playoff. I mean, you give that man a month to prepare, you let him look at everything he possibly can on you. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. Uh
3: see. Th- well, there is the joke that Nick Saban is looking at everything he possibly can, and then Michigan is just looking at everything. At everything, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's... That, that, that's a layup. If you're going to throw that one off the backboard, Very good. Y- your boy got to catch I, it I off the say, glass. I will say, I
2: kind of like the over in this game, too, at 44-and-a-half, right? Like, think about Michigan this year. Think about the two best passing offenses that they've faced in Maryland and Ohio State. Both teams went for over 20 against them, right? We figure this is probably going to be a close game. I'm thinking Bama's getting in the mid-20s, right? I would think Michigan would too. Feels like a 28-24, 27-24 kind of game to me. I think this line's too low. So, Bama-Georgia, the final score was 27-24. Bama-Auburn, final score was 27-24. Michigan-Ohio State, the final score was 30-24. Like, this game is going to be right there. It's going to be right in that similar wheelhouse. I think this line's too low. Like the over... And I like BAM in the game as well.
3: What, what I'm fascinated most by this Michigan team, PJ, and I've had the privilege to, to talk with a couple of Michigan players throughout the course of this season, and one of those times was after the Ohio State game, right? And and, and really after the, the second Jim Harbaugh suspension, Michigan has very much embraced the Michigan versus everybody. everybody. And regardless on how you feel about Jim Harbaugh, personally, I'm kind of rooting for Michigan just because I love how much people hate Jim Harbaugh. I think it's funny, and I'm a bit of a troll. So I'm rooting for Michigan to have success this season, but they really do love each other in a way that last year they, they they didn't, right? And it's very rare that you come across that. Now, how how much does that actually translate to what you'll see on the field against Alabama? Alabama's a different kind of football team. This we understand. I'm excited, though, to see J.J. McCarthy because one of the things that really stood out to me, when you look at kind of that weird, that weird lull in his season – he didn't play great the final couple weeks of the regular season that's also when jim harbaugh wasn't there so the lack of jim harbaugh seemed to impact jj mccarthy more than anybody else now if you want to be the devil's advocate you can say well maybe that's because the the sign ceiling stuff and maybe you're right maybe there is some cadence to that but jj mccarthy played worse when jim harbaugh was not on the sidelines those two guys obviously very tight so with harbaugh being back I'm interested to see what kind of J.J. McCarthy you get because you're right. They cannot do the bit where they just run 30 straight times. Right. You can't do that against Alabama. As good as Blake Quorum is, as good as Donovan Edwards is, as good as that offensive line is, you cannot do that against Alabama. McCarthy's going to have to make big-time throws, and that, it was that in particular that made life more difficult for them. You mentioned turnovers. Against TCU last year, it was a couple of costly turnovers that completely flipped that game to a position where Michigan couldn't climb out of a big hole.
2: Yeah. Yeah but can't wait for it. It's going to be an awesome game. What about the Sugar Bowl? Texas and Washington. So you said Bama, Michigan. You lean Michigan. You don't love the game, but I'm I'm guessing you love the Sugar Bowl.
3: I'm loving Washington in, in the Sugar Bowl. My heart wants to see Texas because I would like to to see Texas in the national championship game. I do think that is that is good for college football, but I came across a stat, PJ. Kalen DeBoer's been the head coach at Washington for two seasons. They've been underdogs four times. They're 4-0 in those games as outright underdogs, including in the Pac-12 championship when at least one of the two hosts here was big on the Oregon train, like an idiot, where they were nearly double-digit favorites against Washington, and all Washington did was go out there and win. And all Michael Penix did was play his best game since they had played Oregon earlier in the season. I'm hoping that we see kind of a revitalized Washington offense, see what we saw against Oregon both times, and I think they'll turn out pretty well against this Texas team. I like Texas. They got a lot of talent. But when it comes to Quinn Ewers or Michael Penix, Michael Penix has given me no reason not to trust him. In fact, he's given me a couple of reasons to trust him more than Quinn Ewers has. So I, I like Washington to to cover the four. If you can get it four, jump on it. Because I do think once you get closer to the game, that number is going to shrink.
2: Completely agree with you. I like Washington plus the points. I like them outright. I think they win the game. I think it's a good matchup for them. Texas's front seven is so good. They're one of the best run defenses in the country. Washington doesn't want to run the ball. They want to throw the ball. And their passing attack is elite. You also can't underestimate, Denton, the fact that Michael Penix, towards the end of the season, didn't look right. Wouldn't you agree? Like, he looked a little hobbled, looked a little injured, and now he's getting this month to rest up, get fresh. I think Washington's really going to excel in this matchup. They're last year's TCU, folks. Like, it's just what they are. There were so many games this year where they woulda, shoulda, coulda almost lost. They didn't. They're undefeated. People are like, yeah, you have to put them in the playoff. But are they really even one of the four best teams? Like, Georgia's probably the fourth best team. Washington's going to show that they're one of the four best. They're going to beat Texas. Really like them in this game. I also like the over, too. I think both offenses are going to score. I love the fact this game's in New Orleans. It's on turf. I mean, watching these receiving cores, Denton, these quarterbacks, these play callers, oh, it's going to be a treat. It's going to be tr- I love this college football playoff. I really do. Any of these four teams can win it all. All four teams are great. They got great quarterbacks. They got great coaches, good fan base. It's just it's going to be great football, so I can't if, wait.
3: If you are in a, a state that allows you to, to bet prop bets for college football playoff games, I know not every state does in our country, not yet at least, Roma Dunze is going to have a monster game for Washington. If Washington wins, it's because Roma Dunze has a monster game. He has been, throughout the course of this season, the clutchest wide receiver in college football. I know Marvin Harrison Jr. won the Bolitnikov. I know Malik Neighbors had a really good season. Troy Franklin. There's been a lot of really good wide receivers in college football this season. When Washington has needed a big play, roma Dunze was the guy to make it if they're gonna beat texas it's because roma Dunze is gonna score at least one potentially two touchdowns in the ball game i don't see them winning without him having a big game
2: facts he was the guy against oregon state that had that big catch to seal it he had it the, the first Beavers. time
3: against oregon too I
2: had the first time against oregon yeah man i like washington too i think so you think we get washington and michigan in the natty who do you think wins
3: Uh, I've been saying that Michigan is the best team in college football this entire season. I think it would be, again, hilarious if Jim Harbaugh wins the national championship, despite all of the stuff that has gone on, and then pulls a Pete Carroll and jump
2: ship. I'm going to go with Alabama over Washington. I think Nick Saban and the tie win another. Last two times, Nick Saban and Bama has lost a game at home. They've gone on to win the Natty. They lost to Texas (laughs) earlier this year. I think he makes it three in a row. Going to be a great day. New Year's Day, the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. From college to the pros, Hour 2, BetMGM. Tonight, PJ Glasser, Denton Day, Week 17, preview next.
1: We'll be right back in just a few. Head over to BetMGM to place a better three. This is BetMGM Tonight, presented by BetMGM. Live from BetQL.